Welcome to the Coffee and Questions podcast. I am your host, Michelle Berman-Michael, and my mission with this podcast is simple, to help realtors and loan officers across the world tap into the value Instagram can have for them and their business. To me, organic business that comes to us is the name of the game. On this show, you're going to hear from myself, other experts across social media, and also others that are just like you selling real estate and doing loans and doing it at a high level on social media. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Coffee and Questions podcast. I cannot believe that we are on episode number 18 first off, but what I'm really, really excited about is that the person I have on for you guys today is going to be talking about something that to me is just under undervalued, right? This concept of uh, being visible before we ask for business. And I couldn't think of a better person to bring on to the show with me this morning uh, than none other than a great friend of mine, Arjun. Um, he is a mortgage banker with All Western Mortgage based out of San Francisco, California. He and I have been friends for going on three years. We met just before the pandemic kind of became a thing. We've since done uh, several conferences and virtual events together. Uh, and I hope that there's going to be lots more of that in the future. But Arjun, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me on, my friend. It's good to connect again. Yeah, for sure. Well, why don't yeah. you do me a favor? Tell my audience, just for those people that don't know you, uh, who are you? Where did you come from? How long have you been in the industry? You know, the name, you name it. Yeah. So I'm from Nevada originally. Um, and that's where I got started in the mortgage industry. My last year of college while living in a frat house, <laughs> uh, my senior year. And I was doing VA streamlined loans for a group out of Las Vegas. I was living in Reno. The group was in Vegas. They just needed me to go to people's houses and collect paperwork, if you can believe that. That was during the time, like fax machines were still around and handwritten applications. So did that. And then one thing led to another. And me, my brother, and another partner opened an office. And I've been doing this ever since. Rode through, you know, obviously the great crash in 08, 09 and correction, whatever run up you want to call it that we've been living through the last 10 to 12 years. Uh, and then, of course, COVID. So uh, I moved out to San Francisco probably three years into my early career to open an office for us here. And then I would go back and forth between both markets doing uh, business development. And about four years ago, I'd say I got very heavy and very committed into content creation and having more of a social presence, uh, which has obviously been transformative, not just for my business, which is secondary, but really for keeping me relevant and keeping me basically in the market still in the game. Um, because there's a race to the consumer and it's all of us against fintech and fintech's backed by a lot of money. And the only way you're going to be able to outlast is by having an impenetrable brand, which I know Michelle's audience hears her preach all the time anyway. So I don't need to say it again. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's so incredibly true, right? There's so many people that are out there who all want the same thing, right? We all want market share. And I think one of the things I love about you and that I have been so passionate about as far as when I recommend people to your Instagram, or even when I use it in a, you know, any class or thing that I teach, I tell people like, you got to see what this guy's doing, because it's not about, I'm trying to generate leads for my mortgage company. It's about how can I be different? Right. And I, I know I say that a lot uh, on not just this episode, not just to my, you know, in-house or mastermind students or whoever, but it's about what can we do on this platform that makes us look different than everybody else? When in reality, we all do the same thing, right? There's a lot of mortgage bankers that are trying to use Instagram. There's a lot of lenders that are using Instagram. There's a lot of real estate agents that are using Instagram. 
I mean, hell, there's a lot of real estate marketing experts like myself that are using Instagram. Uh, but I just think that there's some things that you've done over the years that have created that differentiation piece uh, that I'm super excited to dive into. So one of the main things I want to talk about is kind of the title of our episode, which is what if I want to use Instagram to generate uh, or just create visibility for myself versus actually generating business, right? So actually going direct to, I'm going to post this picture or this video with the intention of I'm getting a lead. Right. I think it's, it's, I mean, it's a, it's the fundamental question everyone needs to address before they decide to create, formulate, and then execute on a brand and a content strategy, because the majority of people go into it and people in our industry, real estate and mortgage are trained to ask real estate agents, especially and figuring out how do I quantify whatever task it is I'm doing and what's that going to generate me in the way of business? What's my ROI? Like, what's my ROI? They just every keep, asking, call. keep asking. Like literally every, every, sales every single call, call I have, I want every, to say, stop asking that question. <laughs> right. Like, forget about, you want to put that acronym out of your mind. I got into it because I remember the day when I basically had this call with my business coach where I got stood up for a meeting, literally dismissed by this agent who just three years prior was a title rep. And, you know, I'd been in the industry for you know, 15 years and not that that matters, but just to give you some context. And he just, I showed up at our meeting for coffee and I asked him, he was running late and I said, Hey, are you coming still? And he says, I can order you something. And he says, Oh, no, I can't make it. And that's it. Like, just like the same as canceling an Uber driver. So I was like, man, that's, uh, that felt a little, you know, shitty. and then just earlier that day, I'd lost two clients that were shopping me to other, you know, to other larger lenders. And I just felt like, you know what, man, maybe the universe is trying to tell me something that I need to get out of this business. So I called my business coach who I've been with since the market crash. We synced up in 08, 09. Um, and he helped me put in systems and, and basically get my head on. Right. And he, I told him this and he says, look, man, I, you know, people know, like the people who work with, you know, that you're good at what you do. You know that you're good at what you do, but does anyone else really? If I Google you, like, is anyone, what's anyone going to find out about you? And then I thought, well, you're kind of right. Nobody really knows anything except for like some, you know, articles on my martial arts backgrounds. Nobody really has any awareness or access to the fact that this is what I do or that I'm any good at it. So I have to purely go off of just referrals and pounding the pavement myself instead of letting my brand actually speak, which is the definition, right? It's what, it's what's being said about you when you're not in the room. So that kind of like set off a light switch. And I realized that I need to, I need to, I need to basically become best, better known. I knew I was better and I still believe this, and this is not arrogant. This is just my own confidence and swagger with it. I know I'm the best lender in my market. I know I'm, that's not to say that there aren't great ones. There are a lot of great ones and a lot of people I have tremendous respect for, but I, my belief is that I know that I'm the best. So I needed to basically convey this now in a way that was going to make me the best known commodity in my market, even if people don't necessarily do business with me. So I put the business and this ties back to the original play. I put the business and the leads and the ROI stuff totally secondary. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to do nothing but post content. It's not asking for anything. It's just giving value because I know my competition can't do it because in my market, my biggest competition are large banks. This is a big bank market. San Francisco is big banks are not allowed to have a brand. They have to go and sit behind a desk and funnel leads, most of them work from home right now that the bank generates for them and then, or, you know, stand at some open houses, but that's all their marketing budget and their marketing scope and capacity is very, very limited. I, on the other hand, 
I don't have any handcuffs on me. So I can not only catch these guys, but pass them in an awareness market, in a device market, in an information sharing market very quickly here. So I hit the ground running hard for a year. I said, I don't expect anything for you. I'm just going to spend money on creating content, putting out value, not asking for a damn thing. And that was the whole objective. So I did that for a year. In year two, I started seeing not, not again, a return on my investment. But what I started seeing was that I was actually people had heard of me. My meetings that I went into or the networking groups I was a part of or the people that I would interface with, they're like, you know what? I saw something that you posted about this, right? heard of you or somebody forwarded me this piece that you did on this instantly put me on another level. That was my ROI. When I did that, then I knew a, this is working B this is going to have legs on it because that's far more important than just some moment or a snapshot of a transaction in time because rates are low or it's a perfect time to do this or do that, that any one of us can get, you can pay for those leads on Like you can get that business if you really want it, mm-hmm. but it's not going to help you necessarily stay in business for the long term. So from that point, it was just about, okay, this makes sense now. It's working. So now I'm going to continue to do it. And hopefully now it'll start to actually generate something other than opening the door for me or making sure that I'm well known, you know, when I do walk into a room. So, you know, fast forward a couple of years, the content strategy, sure, people will reach out and there is a link there where people will actually inquire about wanting to engage in business right away. But that's only because they've come to know me over time or they've come to see my content you know, on a regular basis and they know that I'm not asking for anything. And again, the bar for this is really low because every agent and every lender that's out there for the most part, not all of them, for the most part, they're asking for something. So if you can just be a little bit different, you'll create separation. And what I mean by different is just be valuable. Give away stuff like Gary Vee says, right? Give it all away and expect nothing. Expect nothing back. Give it away for free. And if you do this, you know, you'll see the rewards and then you'll be able to answer your ROI question, but put that out of your head initially. Expectation is the root of all suffering. I've said that more times than I can yeah. count in my business. Yeah. Coach, my business coach tells me that all the time too, whenever I'm having that, like, Ugh, I'm frustrated moment about something, you know, he'll say, or like, you know, we had, we had a mini course that launched in March and he's like, well, do you have a goal? And I was, and then I immediately started rambling off, you know, like the metrics that we were, are, we were kind of after, and he goes wrong. And he just said wrong. Like he didn't have anything else to say. He just said wrong to me. And I was like, dang it. I hate that you're right mm. in this moment, but he, it's true. Right. Um, I've gotten to a place now where in my career, we're, we're in the same place, right? You and I are very, very similar in this. We don't ask for business that it just kind of comes to us at this point. Um, and that, again, that's not a, yeah. that's not a saying that we're the best in our industry. We're just simply saying that we've created a brand around our names um, and around what we do, right? You being in the mortgage space and myself being uh, a coach for realtors and loan officers on the Instagram side of things. So it's created this awareness that doesn't exist anywhere else. And the best, the biggest compliment in the world to me is when someone gets on a call with myself or with you, and I know you know this feeling and they're like, oh yeah, I Googled you. And I'm like, yes, I'm so glad you just did that. Because I know that there's so much out there and there's so much free value and there's so much education that you can tell when you finally do get to talk to me that I am all of those things that you just Googled. Um, and I think that that's what yep. we, need to, we need people to be really aware of. Um, and I took notes just now when you were saying something, but what you said was um, what's being said about you when you're not in the room. And I think that that's what Instagram has really done for you. Um, and we've talked about subliminal and tangible ROIs on, on another show, 
Um, but what you just described is subliminal ROI, right? Is when you're not standing around or when you walk into a meeting, for example, and someone's like, oh, I saw a post that you put out, or I saw that video and I shared it with my so-and-so, um, that's subliminal ROI. And I think people underestimate or undervalue the power of subliminal ROI. And I think so many people are way too focused on well, Michelle, your course is 31.97. So I, how many, you know, how fast do you think I'm going to be able to make my money back? And I think it's the wrong question, right? I think it's, it's not even think, you know, yeah. it's the wrong question. Oh, I mean, don't think, sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without a doubt. Um, but what yeah. you said was so good. I had to write it down because it, what's being said about you when you're not in a room, that is what Instagram is. That is what Instagram does for you. Um, but it can't be half-assed. And I think that's another thing that we need to talk about. So when you look at your content, everything's beautiful, right? The videos are, are very high quality. There's a lot of um, editing and things that have gone into it. You've obviously spent a good amount of money on, on people being able to do this at a very high level for you. So if you're not that person, let's say you don't have the budget to be able to do that, but you want to create the brand that you've created, is it possible first off in your opinion? Second of all, how, what would you tell somebody to go do with all of what we've already talked about kind of coming into play? So the, the brand stuff and the aesthetic of how things look, it doesn't happen overnight. Like that was an evolution. If you go through my feed and you just go way, way down in there a few years back, you'll notice it didn't look the same. So it's evolved over time. And for everyone, they need to accept that. Like just start somewhere. Start by putting out something. Start by just making yourself a little bit more known. Start by talking about things that you are passionate about and how they tie to your industry. Um, and if you do that first, it'll evolve over time because then, you know, the resources will be there by way of the brand. And then you can invest in doing some actual, you know, real technical and advanced branding work and that aesthetic layout that'll polish it. But you don't need to have that right away. That's not important. So for anyone who's just starting, it's free. Everything you're doing, like you have this device, you just whip it out and just talk. And people are like, okay, well, what do I talk about? I don't know. Great question. Everyone has to figure out what their and is. There's this whole, like the, you know, the, the, the overused, it's not a cliche at all, but it's just said so much. Like figure out your why. No, actually first figure out your and. You are a realtor and. You are a lender and. What else are you? Because the realtor and the lender means nothing to me if I'm a consumer. It doesn't mean anything because there's no human element to it, right? I can Google mortgage stuff and get it. You can get a mortgage online. You don't need me. You can buy a house online. You can, you don't even need an agent anymore. Everyone knows that. So you're pretty much irrelevant. If you are just the realtor or just the lender, you need the end. So for me, cause I can speak to this and hopefully people will, you know, get something out of this. Then they can, it might trigger something in their own brain and figure out your end. Like for me, I, I am a lender and I'm an actual coach, right? Like I coach the U S national Taekwondo team. So that is synonymous with being a mortgage advisor. So I like to serve. I mean, those like those two just interweave beautifully. So oh, it worked so out good. fortunately for me. So yeah. So I now, and you see that come out in my content, which is hence why it's a, not just a brand, but a personal brand. It's personal to me. Like the Taekwondo side of it, the coaching, the mentoring, the giving back, the serving. These are all synonymous words and action phrases with my industry, or at least they should be on the mortgage side of things. So once you figure out the end, it makes your content strategy and the ideas that you come up with so much better because the simplest of things, you can just look and see what your competition is doing. Say, how could I personalize that? Or how could I do that better? 
The average person's talking about what they just sold, what they just listed, what producers list they just made, you know, basically bragging on themselves, which is great. That's nice for a consumer to know that, okay, you're good at what you do, but I still don't know how you do what you do or why you're necessarily better. I see these numbers, I see these accolades, but why and how are you necessarily any better? So if people can figure out that part. Why you, right? Like there's there's a bazillion lenders out there that have great reputation as far as stats and the Scotsman guide, you're in the top, whatever. Um, But who are you? And that's what I tell people, right? Like if I have to hang out with you, if I, if you're an agent, let's talk agent, for example, and then we'll go to the lender side, right? If you're an agent and I have to sit in the car with you, which I know is different because of COVID these days. Right. But if I have to hang out with you, talk to you all the time, go look at houses with you and I don't even like you and I have nothing in common with you. Is that ever going to continue? right? Like that relationship is going to feel very forced and I'm going to probably go somewhere else. And the agent that my husband and I used when we sold our house in Arizona before we moved to where we live now in Louisiana, uh, he was like a genuine, like he was one of our actual friends. He was a brand new dad. He was really into barbecuing and triggers. So whenever he came over, like we smoked a bunch of meat, we had some beers in the backyard and it was like, we have so much in common as a family. Like he was married uh, to a girl who became a really good friend of mine. Like it was just this really, really easy, very organic relationship. And Oh, he also happened to be a real estate agent. So when it was time to sell our house, it was a super easy decision. Um, not to mention, you know, I know thousands of realtors, so that certainly made it a little bit challenging on, on at least that part. Um, but if you go to the lender side, this is imagine. Even, yeah. when you go to the lender side, this is even more important. And this is where I think what, I mean, if I lived in San Francisco, there's no question who I would use, but the thing is right. When you're trusting somebody with the decision of what is my interest rate or what is my monthly mortgage payment going to look like, or where is all of my money about to get tied up in? That is a huge decision. Um, so Mm -hmm. hiring somebody who one is just all about themselves, accolade, accolade, accolade is a huge turnoff, right? Um, there's a difference between that and a humble brag. And I think that that's something I would like for you. If, if you have a example of how you could kind of coach somebody through that, I think it'd be cool to hear your point of view. Um, so again, bragging, yeah. is humble brag, but also like a loan officer or somebody, at least in my experience, we were on the phone with them so much, especially when we moved to Louisiana, because we had to buy a house site on scene. We didn't know the area. We didn't know anything about this place. I was 37 weeks pregnant when we found out we had to be here uh, when my son was not even two weeks old. So I literally put my life in this woman's hand and said, like, please don't for all intents and purposes, F this up. Um, So this is this is a big conversation. And I think you being who you are and your personal side of who you are makes me as a consumer more confident that you have my back. Yeah. No, 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 definitely. I mean, you, it's, it's the largest indebtedness people are going to take on in their lifetime. So I think it should matter, you know, who it is that you're dealing with and have some kind of understanding that this is not just a one-off transaction. I tell people, if you want a mortgage, you can go online and get it, mm-hmm. but figuring out and consumer behavior has trained most everyone out there in the world to ask these questions. Like what's the lowest rate I could get? Or, what's your rate? I'm shopping around for rates. I hate the, the, the thing I despise most about my industry uh, in terms of nuance not an actual you know stage but it's that agents will refer out you know here's three lenders call them and basically start shopping them 
And they're basically setting the tone for a very poor consumer experience because the most important question is not what is my rate going to be? It is what is the best mortgage strategy for me? You could get the lowest rate, but that doesn't necessarily mean you did well. That just gives you bragging rights at your housewarming barbecue, but you might've paid through the nose to get that rate, in which case now you've actually lost. You didn't do well. That wasn't a good money decision. Seen people countless times show me their settlement statements and they've made poor, poor decisions around this debt instrument of a mortgage. So to your point, it's a huge deal. It's a very big thing. And it's not one, one thing to be taken lightly. So if you're going to take on the largest indebtedness of your life, shouldn't you entrust that with an actual advisor instead of just some licensed telemarketer who's going to commoditize the experience and get you the lowest rate out there because they carry no value. So the margin can be compressed or would you rather deal with someone for maybe a competitive rate, but you know, they have your best interest in mind and are going to serve you at a very high level and stay connected to you. I tell people I'm a debt manager, similar to a wealth manager. I'm going to stay connected to you well beyond the transaction because we're going to manage this debt. And then that will formulate a relationship similar to what you had with your agent, you know, how you were close. And there's basically, there's a lot more in common there. And you're a little bit more unified in terms of your goals and you see there's alignment. And that's, I think that's just, that's pretty much critical. You know, like you don't really have a choice to act, to be that way. Otherwise you're just no different than anyone else. Well, and I also want for, there's a lot, and I'm so excited to ask you this question because I already think I know how you're going to answer it, but everybody else needs to hear it, not me. Um, But there are so many loan officers and mortgage professionals that use Instagram as a dumping ground for, I checked my box, I posted on social media, yay, right? And if you look at their Mm -hmm. content, it is stock image after stock image or stock template after stock template. It's something that they've downloaded out of their gallery, right? That they all have access to. And there is no person behind it. And most of the time, I mean, I just, I literally just had a call earlier today with a two coaching members that are part of our program who, when you look at their grid, they had, they've done a really good job at creating a brand for themselves. They're veteran lenders. So they only work with people who are either current or after medically retired, retired or active duty. So they're, they're very specific in their marketing as far as who they're attracting um, and they've done a really good job yep. at their and statement that you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. but a lot of their content, like it has their branding colors, but then a lot of it would be like a stock image of a police officer in uniform, right? That you got, they got off the yeah. internet. And I was like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you just drive down to the local police station that can't be more than five minutes from your house and go actually take a selfie with a police officer and just make it more there personable Right. They did a they did a video for uh, the Top Gun release that happened uh, over Memorial Day weekend. And the video was so over edited and so like commercialized. It literally felt like something I just watched on NBC instead of like, who is this person that is in his community? Maybe you go and you interview four or five veterans who who have been clients of yours um, and then use that video as the giveaway because all of a sudden you're like an actual person right? To these yeah. people who are consuming so, your content. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, good job. You did, you did so good with the branding part. Um, but you right. forgot that's just that the there's, a human, there's a human that's totally. part of that. So brokerages and corporate brands, they understand that all their people should have some kind of an online presence. That's why they tell them this, but they don't tell them how to do it. They just try and do it for them. So And again, this is, you said it beautifully. It's just box checking that I did this task. I did this thing. That's all it was. 
the newsletters they create for you, the automatic emails they create for you. Now the stock generated content they create for you to put out. It's all furthering. If you actually stop and disconnect yourself for a second, like what is this actually promoting? It's promoting the company. Promotes nothing about you because you put no personal spin on it. So it's great for the company, which the company could give two shits about because it's fine for them, right? All the content that's coming out is promoting them. They don't necessarily, it's not to say that, I don't want to make this sound like it's nefarious or anything, but it's not to say that companies and brokerages or whatnot don't want their people to have a personal brand. They just don't want to strongly encourage it because then you're kind of independent, right? Like you could take that brand and go. You want your brand to be built up to a point where it doesn't matter. It's a comma or an afterthought about the company you work for. Well, we're not you hiring should be able to take that right? brand. We're hiring you. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. So you should be able to take your stuff. Like if you switch brokerages or you switch shops, if you're a lender, that shouldn't matter. I mean, yeah, you've got other pains to deal with, you know, with transitioning your pipeline and dealing with other internal things. But from a branding standpoint, very little, if anything, changes because the personal brand, you, has not changed. That just continues to evolve. But most people treat their social posting like the checkbox thing they have to do. And if you, you might be one of those people if you also forward the stock generated newsletter that comes out that gives me cooking lessons and tells me what's going on in my neighborhood this month. <laughs> I don't care. I've got a million of these things. And I save them. I subscribe to every agent. So my personal inbox is just filled with everyone's newsletters because I just want to find out and see if somebody does something different for a change. Do they make their own? Do they maybe include a video about themselves talking about the market instead of the corporate economist that works for that brokerage who wrote out something that doesn't even make sense to the average Joe. It's all big words. And you just forwarded it out saying, here's my quarterly market update. Okay. I don't know anything about you and I don't really care. And this, I'm just going to probably delete this, right? If I'm an end user. So you're just checking the box. You're just sending stuff out. Your postcards that you mail out to your clients, nothing personalized about them. They just go out. I have the shittiest handwriting in the world, but I handwrite all of my holiday cards to people because I want it to be personal. It's, I do them late every year because I do it on purpose so that you get them after New Year's, which you're more likely to open them instead of being bombarded before. But I do it because it has to be personal. It takes a lot more time, but I just can't get my head around or ever subscribe to the idea that I'm going to outsource a message that's supposed to be heartfelt and have that sent in mass production to people. I just won't do it. Some people call that nuts, but that's just me. I'll take the extra time and do it. But again, it's always got to be personal. It always has to be tied to some type of human element or connection. So your content strategy has got to be no different. You've got to find a way to personalize it. You said it beautifully. The person, you know, uh, basically talking either about Memorial Day or something. And then, you know, they just post a picture of a soldier. They post a picture of a cop or post a picture of a fireman. Well, go down there and just do it. Make it personal. Put yourself in it. Then people will start to make that connection. So well, you can think about things fast. a little differently that way. People want it to be fast. Yeah, they but definitely as you do. Said, I don't think it should be in some of these cases, in a lot of them. No, it definitely shouldn't be. But if you can do that, then you're going to create a little bit more staying power. Because again, everything you post, you should look at it before you hit post or you have somebody else hit post for you and say, is this anything different from what people are going to see today? If the answer is yes, go with it. The answer is no, maybe use a different draft. Or if it's like, no, they're going to see this 50 other times today, you know, talking about the quarterly update or that I just sold this house or whatever. And let's be honest, everyone, right? Like if you're a lender or mortgage or a realtor, houses and deals did themselves the last couple of years. That was a bull market. Everybody was an expert. Everybody was a top person. So it's not telling me anything different. Now you'll start to see separation that the market's shifting. So the pretenders and contenders will all kind of separate and people with a brand that's actually personal, 
and offers tremendous value and asks for nothing in return will just all start to rise. And the askers and task doers and the checklist punchers, they'll kind of slowly drown out and eventually phase out. Well, and they, we've had several private clients of ours who prior to reaching out to us were those stock people, right? So their company would provide all of the stock content. And there were a couple yeah. of specific companies. I'm not going to name names just to avoid that. Um, but there were a handful of companies that a lot of these private VIP clients of ours were coming from because of the word of mouth referral internally, right? Um, and I, I took the liberty to go and look up a ton of loan officers that all worked for the same company across the country, right? So this particular company is nationwide. Uh, I believe it's like in 40 something states. So I was mortified when you look up these actual people's names and whatever the person's first name is, mortgage or loan officer or whatever, right? And every single one of them had the exact same content on their feed, like literally the exact same photo, the exact same template, the exact same, uh, what is uh, the home buying process roadmap, little graph thing, right? The same, same exact graphic. It was disgusting, frankly, um, because- Again, we're we're talking about going into COVID, right? We had a lot of people who were putting money into their marketing. And then when COVID happened, everyone froze up and they're like, let me take all my money out, which you and I actually, Um, that was a long time, right? We talked about that. Um, And I remember that because we talked about doubling down and putting money in instead of retracting. Um, And then now in the last six months or so, maybe even not quite that long, maybe four months, you have a lot of loan officers who are doing the same thing. A lot of them who are all sudden because this market's shifting and we're going back to our interest rates are a little bit higher. Okay, so that means I have to cut corners on my marketing now and start focusing on getting on the phone and calling people. And it makes my blood boil because it's like you, you don't understand how going back to that cheaper form of marketing is now devaluing everything you probably spent the last couple of years trying to figure out how to do, right? It's going, you're going you're backwards. Basically- you're admitting that you're only a fair weather player, right? You can only perform when the market's good. That's when you'll spend money on marketing. That's when you'll make effort. When the market's good. When the market's tight, you go into retreat mode and pull your dollars off the table, like you said, as opposed to doubling down or not doing it. But that, what that, what is that actually saying? It means that you're not built for any downturn or a correction or a shift in the market, which then again makes you completely invaluable, right? Unvaluable. You're not valuable at all. Really, you're just a fair weather person because anybody can perform when the markets are ripping and tearing, right? Like if you didn't, then you should be evaluating whether or not this is the right industry for you. But if you're an agent, you didn't have like your best two years, the last couple of years, or you were a lender and you didn't post record numbers or make the top 10 list or the top, you know, finished tops at your company a good few months out of the year, like an accolade that you would have otherwise not normally received, then you probably aren't in the right business because everyone's done well. But now... Like, this is not the time to pull off. This is when you want to get louder. And that was a big mistake I made when the market crash happened. One, I wasn't really in 08, 09. Like, I wasn't really well known because we just did a lot of, you know, our lending philosophy and our approach was very different. Uh, it's not to say that it was transactional, but our marketing efforts were really different. But there wasn't a lot of resources to spend on marketing, but I could have been putting in, you know, the personal time and my own sweat equity into building a brand and actually staying more relevant and doing that marketing. Like, equating it a different way but you know i'm definitely not like if there's one thing now in this market shift that we're in that's not negotiable it's the marketing budget if anything we just you know we, we monitor things 
you know, a little tighter, of course, which is human and business nature, but definitely not pulling anything off the table. Not like, last well, I mean, time. like it's, you would be doing yourself a disservice if you don't pay attention to where your marketing dollars are going. And, and if it, if it's adding value to you or not, is your relationship with the person who's helping you? Is it, is it working? Is it not? Is that person still yeah. giving you the same amount of energy that they were when you first hired them? There's a lot of reasons yeah why hiring or letting go of marketing dollars would make sense, but it certainly isn't a reason just because you have 10 loans in the pipeline instead of 20 this month. Right. Um, If anything, and I've had several clients who have come on over the last few months and their thought process is the opposite, right? Especially on the loan officer side, um, their pipelines are a little bit thinner these days with everything going on. So they're saying now is the opportunity for me to figure this whole thing out because I actually have five minutes where I can get on a a zoom meeting or I can go through the course or I can do whatever I need to do so that I can learn how to do all of this so that the next time the market shifts a little bit, or the next time uh, something goes crazy with inflation or whatever else, you know, without getting political on everybody, um, whenever something like that happens again, your pipeline getting thinner is thin is relative, right? Because it may just be a little slower, but you're not going to be in that position where you're like, oh my gosh, I need business and I need business now. Um, So the people that I want to work with, the people that should be coming and working for for all Western mortgage, in my opinion, are the ones who are saying, hey, okay, the market's a little bit slow. I get it. It's a little bit weird, but I need to surround myself with people who are not doing the whole, I'm freaking out. Now what? Let me pull money out of all everywhere and just hoard it just in case. Um, and instead yeah. surround yourself with people who are doubling down and asking the right questions and taking advantage of an opportunity to use this time in their business to grow. Um, and one thing you said 20, 25 minutes ago was that with you and at all Western, the cool difference is you don't, the branding doesn't matter, right? Like, or not even branding, I shouldn't say, but like the red tape of you have to have this disclaimer and you have to get this approved and you have to get that approved. Like why, right? As a, and you mentioned it, you said that it's the company themselves that wants the the recognition, not, they don't want the individual to get the recognition because then all of a sudden their brand isn't as powerful. So doesn't that seem weird, right? Uh, And I think that that's very weird. Yeah. That's where people need to start thinking about the world is going in this direction, right? We know that as a mortgage professional, as, or as a, a real estate professional, we have to be on social media. It is a non-negotiable at this point, but we can't just be on it. We have to crush it. We have to get around people who are going to teach us how to do that. Um, so if you're working for a company that is has their hands around your throat and saying, you have to get every single post approved. It has to go through me. Um, you have to have this disclaimer and that disclaimer. Maybe you need to have a different discussion with yourself totally. as far yeah. as where you need yeah. to spend your time and where you need to take your business. Um, and again, if, if people, somebody's people have to, to ask business, that question, yeah, I mean, if somebody's listening sorry, to this and owns one of those companies, I'm so sorry for just, uh, defaming you, but that is what outing you. Yeah, no, that's the one question. Anyone, if you're looking at switching brokerages, uh, or switching shops as a lender, there's only one question you have to ask. It's not, what's my signing bonus. What's your technology platform? What products do you guys have? That, that's all in the past now. That was during the bull market where they could use those kinds of things to lure people. And you saw a lot of people switching jobs, switching brokerages. You'd see their LinkedIn updating constantly. They took a new role at this place. They took a new role at that place. They're just basically being offered something to come over there. But the offers now are going to stop. You know, I mean, some people still get recruited with that age old 
you know, age old philosophy, but the only question you have to ask if you're thinking about switching is, am I allowed to have a personal brand if I come work there? That's it. That's the only question. If they say yes, you're at the right shop because everyone's got technology. Everyone's got a good CRM. Everyone's got good products. Everyone's got competitive rates. Otherwise they wouldn't be in business right now. So if they're in business right now, this is basically all the people that are built to last because there's been plenty of shops either laying off in droves or closing up or tightening or just, you know, putting a, putting a freeze on everything. But if you're looking at making a move, that's the only question you got to ask. Nothing else. If you do that and if you're allowed that, you'll, you'll be at a place that not only is invested and committed to your survival in this market, but you're also with a forward-thinking company that's not insecure about you having a personal brand, comma, their brand versus, hey, just put out the stuff we give you only and you're not allowed to say anything else about yourself because that's, that's basically an insecure outfit as far as I'm concerned. And it's not going to create the separation that people need. And they're just trying to control things a little bit too heavy from the top. The last thing I'll say in buttoning this up is that I, I you know, we do a lot of talks. I mean, Michelle and I've done stuff together. We have a lot of similar, uh, uh, familiar and similar friends and circles that we run in and we give, we give talks like this. I'll just say this to our audience. And I'm not just saying this because she's had having me on her podcast today, but <laughs> Michelle and her company absolutely get what it is that they're doing they're not just scripting and giving you some punch list items to do so that you can create a brand like she gets it she lives this stuff she breeds it she's really committed to it if you talk to her she has infectious energy she's fired up all the time which i love about her like she's very very passionate about this stuff and she understands it and it comes through in the clients like the success speaks for itself and the track record speaks for itself so if you're fortunate enough to work with her continue working with her if you're curious about working with her, her outfit and, 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 and taking on and learning more about the power method and all the other things that she does, I would strongly encourage you to do it. I mean, I couldn't give, you know, a higher endorsement to anybody more so than I can Michelle because she's the absolute best at what she does. She's a boss, she's fearless and she's cutting edge with what she knows. Like the stuff she's talking about is actually up to date with the trends on social media and what needs to be done. It's not just, again, punch list stuff or things that you could get on YouTube because you could figure out a lot of social stuff by just YouTubing a bunch of videos. Yep. Go to YouTube University and you get a pretty sound education on this stuff. The stuff she's going to talk to you about, you're not going to find on YouTube. So I just wanted to say that because I think, it, I mean, more so now than ever, it really matters if you're contemplating teaming up with a with an agency or an outfit. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. Well, I did not expect you to just say all that. And I'm blushing. I know where some of you guys are listening to this on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to us. And some of us, or some of you guys are going to be watching this live uh, on our full video version on YouTube. But if you could see me, you'd see that my face is like, how do I stop smiling? Cause I don't know what to say. Um, but what I will, will say is for me, the number one thing is, is we have to transcend time, right? We have to be able to survive anything that's going on on social media. And it's, you know, whether that's figuring out how to do a reel or whether that's trying to figure out what the hell's going on with hashtags. It's about so much more than that. Um, and it's about how can we make our business last forever? And I truly, truly in my heart in all the way to my core, believe that Instagram will be around forever. And it will be a platform that will help you build your business for not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but for five, 10 years, 20 years down the road. So um, Arjun, thank you so much for being here with me. And I want to be a good steward of your time and just say um, that I'm super grateful for the opportunity for my audience to get to hear from you and learn from you. But if you can let all of them know, how can we get connected with you? Where can we find you? Um, and what's going on for you coming up that we can get dialed into? 
the best way to reach me and i love connecting with people and sharing ideas is just on instagram the same platform we're talking about so it's arjun mortgage a-r-j-u-n and then mortgage um so find me drop me a line on there and let's connect and then upcoming i'm looking to put together i'll be announcing it soon uh a very big exclusive event with just one you know major headline key, keynote speaker uh who's a well-known commodity in real estate he has the most well-known real estate brand in the world probably the largest real estate brand in the world um i'll give it away only saying that much but uh we'll be announcing it soon it'll be in san francisco in the fall likely late october um and so yeah just check the airwaves for it i'll be announcing that and then i'm looking to put together some live in-person events uh for the women's council of realtors which i'm hoping to include you on and a few others so there'll be some stuff coming up here in 20 the rest of 2022 that i'm excited about i love it well i couldn't imagine uh being more excited to support anybody than you i can for you folks so for everybody who is listening to us um thank you guys for spending the last 45 minutes with us super excited hope you got a ton of value out of it and again thank you for listening to another episode of the coffee and questions podcast if you heard something that you love, please subscribe. If there is something that you'd like to say, drop us a line, leave us a review. We can't wait to hear how you guys feel about this amazing podcast. And if you have any other guests that you want to hear on my show, reach out. I'm looking forward to it. Arjun, thank you so much. And everybody have an amazing rest of your day. If you enjoyed this episode, please go follow my guests on social media. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a review wherever you consume this content.